Once again, it's time to podcast. I'm Vince Roca. Mocha. And sitting in for special guest Michael Hutchinson is the funniest man you are ever going to meet. He's absolutely hilarious. He kills with every word that comes out of his mouth. I mean, Chris Rock comes to his one-man show. It is Tom Ayers. Oh, did you say money Ayers? (laughs) (laughs) Say something funny. I just did. It was fast. Did you see how fast it was? You, you said something funny? I said, bunny years. Hey, nice. You once told me that the worst introduction a comic could possibly get. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, wow, is, he's going there. Is that introduction that is that. just like, let me bring up the funniest funny. man in show business. Right. And then everybody goes, make me laugh, funny man. Well, and you're a, just dead. In a live situation, in, in a live situation, it is death. It's death because you go, you're like the the guy standing there, the comic that you just introduced that way, uh-huh. or yourself goes, huh? <laughs> do what? I have to do what right now? But um, you have uh, you have not been on the show in three years. I've been holding my breath, waiting Why? for you to invite me. Oh, that I've is been not true. Sitting in my house, waiting. I have, I'm a huge proponent proponent behind the Tom Ayers podcast. You are, um, you are. In, I, I, it took me forever to get you to do the show the first time, and then drag you back a couple of more times, and you seem to have a good time. I think you were. Very I did confused. I had a very good time. I, I, matter of fact, I walked away going, "That was great. I could do that. I could do that with Vince. I know." And then Michael Hutchinson came in and fucked me up. <laughs> Why? Uh, you, you should do this. You should do this. Actually, I would advocate today that you, you should be vlogging. What, you should be, vlogging. yeah. You should be daily vlogging, particularly with your current story. Uh, nice. I think you should be making daily videos for you on YouTube. Um, maybe not. I, have you watched? You've watched a few of mine that I have. I'm doing right now. I have. Uh, maybe not as ambitious as all the edits and craziness that I was going to say. Because there's a lot of editing. That that's like yeah. a job. And I go, where is he finding the time to do this? Because I know before getting you, you know, I mean, you're like, oh, I got this, I got this, I got I, this. Yeah. Show. I don't know what you're doing. You get you decided to get up two hours earlier just for the editing. I am sleeping less, and uh, I pretty much threw out any hope of searching for or trying to find a job. There's just very like light. But then also, I noticed that the dogs still get walked. So I was thinking he didn't take that out. He didn't go, hey, the two mile walk with the dogs. Well, yeah, because you got to get your exercise. Yeah. But I incorporated it. I made it part <laughs> of the podcast. Um, so yeah, every day it's production. Every day. Uh, and just like you know what it's like when you when production starts and you get that adrenaline mm-hmm. and there's a whole oh shit, um, are we going to make our day? It, am I going to get my lines right? Is everything going to work out? Like what's going to happen? And every morning it is that it is like there's an adrenaline rush of going. What am I going to shoot today? Like right now I'm shooting a podcast and I don't even know what or how much of this is going to end up in in the vlog. In the vlog. Um, but uh, I think if you took me for a walk and I shit on someone's lawn, that would make it. That would make the vlog. But I would have to have the camera. I would I would have to make sure that I was shooting before. Because then the, there's the other trick. At the end of the day, you can't have nine hours of footage to sift through. So you just can't All shoot right. everything. Right. Right. So there's a lot of like – there's moments that are missed that just are never going to make it because I wasn't right. recording. Um, a hilarious thing that I you talk about dog walk that I keep trying to capture is – my lab does what I call the poo-poo dance. 
there are times when she just squats and goes, mm-hmm. but there are times when she squats and sort of hobbles left <laughs> and hobbles right and then gets up and moves over three inches and hobbles and hobbles. And this can go on for like a minute. And I mean, literally like 60 seconds. And I never know what day she's going to do it or when she's going to do it. And I'm always trying to whip the camera out really quick to try and capture. It's not that I want to get the crudeness of her pooing. I just want to get her like she's doing her poo-poo dance. Right. Like, where's she going to go? Okay, this is the spot. And I don't know why this spot is better than the spot six inches from where she started. But this is the spot. Um, anyway, it, it's crazy. So you got to shoot You got to shoot a minimal amount of footage. You You end up... I, I sort of come up with like, okay, this is my chores for the day. And there's a few days where I was like, okay, I could fold laundry today. I'm going to do that tomorrow because I have enough things for the vlog today and I need some action scene tomorrow. <laughs> Folding laundry is an action scene for the vlog for me anyway. Um, so you, I start planning out, planning that crap out. What am I going to do? And then what am I going to say or what topic might there be? And, you know, you try to get like a, a, a through line to it and nice. hopefully you hit it <laughs> producing your day it's you're producing your day every day you're producing your day and then you sit down to cut it and yeah i mean the worst thing is to drop your day's footage on the timeline and you got 20 minutes because oh. that's going to take you 40 minutes to get through yeah. the first pass yeah, right. <laughs> so uh it i've been getting faster and faster at cutting the vlogs it started with they were like six hours and now i'm down to uh you know i i probably i could probably cut the vlog in three hours but the other part of this vlog has been teaching deanna how to edit so really yeah so there's a lot of like the vlogs are really cut in seven hours because i'm sitting over deanna's shoulder and you know explaining things to her letting her do things on her own that's it's been funny because i'm like i the first time i saw her take the the camera to work you Mm -hmm. know I went, he told her to take the camera away. I did not tell her. You didn't? She just did it? No. I said, I decided that I was going to daily vlog. I just, what what sparked it? Um, Oh, actually, I think the final nail in the coffin was uh, Adrian Bliss, who I had linked in one of the vlogs. Um, Deanna and I watch a lot of YouTube, and we've watched a lot of other vloggers. And... um, there, I came across this guy, Adrian Bliss, who did a series called Vlog Vember. For 30 days, uh, he m- did satire. He made fun mm. of vloggers and all the, you know, typical tropes of, that vloggers do. And you, until he put it together, like, I could recognize it, but, like, he did the work and he put the essay together of, of every vlogger does this crap sort of thing. And... He did them in like one to two minutes. Like they're very short. You can get through his entire month in an hour. Uh, And it's hilarious. If you watch vlogs, it is hilarious. If you don't know what a vlog is, you won't understand what the hell like Adrian is talking about when he's because there's always that point with vloggers. There are vloggers who we watch vloggers who make millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. They live off of YouTube. They live off of vlogging. That's how much money that they make. And their their job is to travel the world and vlog it. And they'll have these vlogs where it's like, guys, it's just so it's just so much work, guys. I'm just so <laughs> I feel like I need to take a break from vlogging. And Deanna and I are just like, oh my god, you're, you have no idea, you douche. Right. Well, Adrian took all of that crap and put it together, and I watched it. And I was like, this is insanely entertaining. And like two days later, I got in the car with Deanna, and I said, I think I'm going to vlog every day. And her response was literally, 
what? <laughs> like, she was like, are you out of your mind? That's every day, man. I mean, when people talk about doing, they're like, oh, you should do a once a week, once a week podcast, once a week podcast. And, and I'm like, that to me seems so heavy. But and, look how easy it is when you and, sit here with me. Right. And okay. and even at that, I mean, you know, yesterday I couldn't do it, whatever. It's like, I mean, it's like getting here and then going, all right. But, I mean, that's, it, it's that was an impossible feat. But to do every day, I'm like, that's amazing. At the end of the day, you know, I don't say my prayers every day. <sighs> I, and I probably should do that more. <laughs> I, should, I should do that before I start vlogging. I'm going to do my prayers, and then I'll let you know. So I don't know who I'm praying to, but i got to start praying. The, the first baby step was this podcast in 2012. I decided that I was going to do a podcast. Yeah. And I, just like you, I didn't know. I didn't know if I could fill the time. Right. Michael and I recorded, I think, six podcasts before they were ever put up. Like, all of the episodes we recorded are up. They're not, there's none hidden in the vault, but... Um, we sat down and we recorded and I listened to them and I, you know, I edited them and I, I took out ums and uhs and I kind of went through, which took a lot of time. And I was like, this is way too much. And I was like, okay, we can talk, we can right. do this. We right. can hold a conversation. And then, uh, I, I upload, I started putting those up online and I got into the groove of it. And then I tried convincing you to do it, to, to come over and do it, which was more ambitious for me because I, I was sitting there thinking, okay, I can do one day a week with Michael and I can do one day a week with Tom. And I'm thinking, is that, can I talk five days a week? Like a radio DJ, radio DJs on the air five mornings a week for four hours. But they don't talk for four hours. They no, talk right. for like an hour and a half. Right. Um, anyway, uh, so then we organically, we started, long story short, we started doing the travel videos and then we uh, um, started doing weekly videos. We committed to that about six months ago on YouTube, which you saw you liked our Skyspace trip. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden, the, I mean, as baby steps this past uh, 10 days ago where I was like, I'm going to do a daily vlog. And I'm a, I only committed, mentally, I only committed, I'm going to do this for a month. I don't know what's going to happen oh, after, cool. if I'm going to continue after the month or not. But to answer you saying like, uh, I don't know if I could do this because things that got, you know, happened yesterday. If you, if you had to be on the set of yeah. a movie yesterday, you would have been. And that I have to be honest with you. I think about that all the time. And it's like, you know, that's the lottery. That's winning the lottery to me. Mm -hmm. I go, I go, um, you know, in the acting world and in L.A. and, and Hollywood and wherever, if you can put that in in your life and, and land a series regular where you, they want you in there every day. Right. That's, you know, the lottery. Well, so good. to think to yourself, you know, when I've had a, a serious situation where I go, yeah, I'm going to have to call and cancel today. The simplest thing. I go, no, the problem is it was it was serious enough that nothing would have stopped me from canceling. You know, and then I sit there and I think of my, um, you know, um, having uh, a series regular on something and going, oh, yeah, can't come in today. You know, it's it, it's just I go. Yeah, but really, I mean, how often does that happen? It's something to think about. You know, it's, right. it's in the back of my mind. I probably should just drop. It's not I don't think it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. So <laughs> like when you look at me confused, I got lost. then you go, well, I, I said something wrong. I got lost. 
so I made a commitment to this. Yes. And I made it's a commitment to me. It's a mental commitment to me, the podcasting and now the daily vlogging. And it's a job. It is something that I'm committed to doing and, and seeing out every day. Um, so when it's like, I mean, there's no option of like, oh, I can't do that today. Right. Like, it's just, this is, I committed to it. And, um, and well, I'm, I'm waiting for the through. DMV trip. I'm waiting for DMV like, trip. I don't have any DMV like trips coming up. the, um, you know, the, the physical, maybe the prostate <laughs> the doctor, exam. Yeah. Ooh, you know, you get the face. Ooh. <laughs> Yesterday as I went to a creature shop, uh, amalgamated dynamics uh they did uh alien alien versus predator oh really uh yeah sigourney weaver what was body that? why are we going there uh, uh there was a net filmmaking networking event at it and oh, cool. I, it's on the vlog um okay. it's on yesterday vlog number 10 or 11 i don't know anyway so uh all of this the short of it is um or the short of it should be is i you should you should be vlogging i was i was a big proponent of podcasting and i still like the podcast and I like this. You sit down and uh, you and I have a pressure of a microphone in front of us. We have a pressure of air to fill. So we'll talk to each other and uh, you know, it, it, you get it out and it happens, but um, you, I, I think with what's going on with you, which we're going to talk about in a moment, you could vlog every day and they could be very simple. And I think you just put them up there, put them on, you don't have to go through all the craziness of editing and the shit that I'm doing. I'm an editor, so I'm going to yeah. do that. You're an actor, so it's all about performance for you. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm and gonna my go. editing has gotten faster and gotten better, right. and my camera work has gotten better, and my lighting is like it has improved me as a filmmaker in ten days alone with that pressure of of doing this. So imagine that, like day one. Um, you know, your your maybe your joke isn't there, but it's like stand up, right? You get on stage. So on day twenty five of the Tom Ayers vlog, you know, you're there, you're on it, and someone else is saying to you, "How the fuck do you do that every day?" Um, and the reason that I advocate the vlog is because it's a lot easier. It costs you nothing. YouTube account, you can go straight from your phone to YouTube. You don't. Right. I mean, I have to. I have to turn this into an MP3. I've got to upload it on a website. I've got to submit it to iTunes. It's a pain in the ass. Um, it takes me, you know, 15 minutes and I know exactly what I'm doing. Mm. So I, I highly advocate that you should vlog. And I was right about podcasting. You should have, and you should. And, uh, you and God damn it. A right. fucking year from now, you're going to be like, Vince was right about vlog. When was I wrong? Let me ask you that. When was Vince Roca wrong to Tom Ayers? Yeah, dead air, right there. <laughs> okay. You're never, oh, there you go. You said, right now, I'm going to show you exactly where you were wrong. All you right. just said 10 minutes ago, you said there's a pressure of of dead air. There's a pressure of, of me and you, the microphones and the pockets. You and I sitting in a room, there's no dead air ever. There's so, dead air. A matter ago. of fact, I'm like going, as soon as he stops speaking, I'm going to fucking talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you're going to talk a lot now. So. Okay. All right. Um, you were supposed to come over two days ago and yes. watch uh, uh, the screener for the comedian and right. podcast. Right. And you didn't make I it. I didn't come here. And why didn't you make it? I was making another little film. Yeah. <laughs> it was called um, Incredible Equipment we had for this. Uh, cat Scan. <laughs> cat Scan. That is incredible equipment. Yeah. Um, it was expensive. Um, and the producers wanted me there. 
Although, immediately. On a bizarre side note, I think film some film equipment does cost more than a CAT scan. <laughs> That's sad. That's just it, it sad. Is sad. Um, uh, CAT scan. So yeah. So what happened? So um, I woke up, and I I. It's really weird. Something like this happens. You blame the stupidest things. I rolled over and I, and I like hugged my pillow uh-huh. and my heart started going. Dig, 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 and I was like, whoa, man, it, was a fl-. it made me like flustered. And I was like, what is that? And then I turned around and I sat up and I was like trying to breathe through it and just going, you know, it was like, it was, it was like a hamster on a wheel just going to town, you know? And I was like, whoa, no pain. Mm-hmm. Just a little, little flustered, a little dizzy, you know? Kind of right. catching your breath. Now, okay, now pause yeah. for a moment. Uh, it, Tom tells the background of this story in episode 28, uh, which was June 23rd, 2013, Tom Ayers versus Death. But that's the title of it. But you have, what do you have on, you've had heart work before, and that whole story yes. is in there, and we'll touch on some of it. But what, what you have a, a uh, real quick, it's not um, a pacemaker. I had, I had three different, no, it's not a pacemaker. Um, the, the thing, first of all, I have a, an artificial valve. It's a that's what makes the valve, tick. And that's what's ticking. Can you hear it through this? No, you can't. No, the mic. Well, these I... mics are not that sensitive. Oh, that's right. why we have to be on top of them. Okay, I got um, you. Um, so, um, the first operation because the... so your heart to clear up. You have a valve that a mechanical. It's a mechanical valve. It's a mechanical. There's valve. no battery inside. Right. Of it. It's um, but it's it just makes... a replacement of something that was already there mm-hmm. that. Is not motorized. It's mechanical, and it makes a tick. It makes you can it. If uh, if we if if you were standing in a room and you had a Timex watch, uh, you can hear, and you're just sat still. You could actually hear that Timex watch tick. That's much like what happens if it's just quiet in a room with Tom, which is why he keeps talking all the time, <laughs> and why I keep talking all the time. Okay, so that's what's going on, and so you wake up, and. Okay. Is, is it ticking? Is that is, oh yeah? Is that ticking's like yeah. Okay. Um, just just really like the because this has to do with the end of this. The three operations that I've had, um, I went in for a kidney stone, right? And they did an ultrasound. They found um, what's called a triple A, an abdominal aortic aneurysm, right? Um, the aneurysm is like the side of the wall of the artery that gets weak and it poofs out, and if it pops, you're dead. That's the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were like, um, we couldn't believe you found. It. Every doctor goes, can't believe you found that. That's that's amazing. How did you find that? Every every single one, they look at me like I'm the chosen one because right. I found that thing, you know. And um, I tell them the kidney stone. They're like, wow, you lucked out. Every one of them. Right. I'm luckiest guy in the world. Right. <laughs> anyway, then from that, the day that we went in for well, the you're, operation, you're they, luckier than John Ritter. Yes, I am definitely luckier than John. You were luckier than John, really. Because that's the last one that he he had. I had the last. That was the last of mine. All right. But um, the next one, the day of that operation, they did an ultrasound on my heart, and mm-hmm. they found a dilated root. So that's an aneurysm where the, the artery meets the heart. So then, which was... I think that's the first time I've ever heard you call it a dilated root, which is kind of a funny term. You should use that more. Dilated, dilated root. root. You like that better? Sounds, yeah, I'll sounds use good. it more. All right. So it was dilated to 5.9 centimeters as opposed to, it's supposed to be 3.9. Millimeters, I would think. Millimeters, millimeters. Centimeters. No, that's crazy. really big. Yeah, that's really that's big. Millimeters? Um, but, um, so then, 
Um, they were like, you got to have this operator. Mm-hmm. And then I went to a bunch of nutritionists, and they were like, no, no, you can handle this with juice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I did that. For, I, was, I was drinking my pine nuts. I was drinking, I was drinking fucked up green things that just, right? And then mm-hmm. a friend of mine was in a kickboxing class with um, uh, a surgeon from Cedar sinai mm-hmm. And he said, I have a question for you. And he started talking about me. And the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the surgeon was like, yeah, your friend is just waiting around to die. Mm-hmm. Tell him to get the operation. Mm-hmm. And so he came back. He was like, dude, do the operation. Yeah, do he was the one that really talked me into it because I wasn't going to do it. Oh, the it. idea of them cracking me open, you know, like a crab, I was not oh. excited about. So anyway, did that. Everything was fine after that. Um, and then I had the dissection, the John Ritter deal, like eight months later. Uh-huh. Um, aortic dissection. Aortic dissection, which I just found out yesterday. Or two days ago. All right. So back to your morning. You wake up. Wake up. Little valves. Tick, 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 tick. Uh Yeah. And then um, the. um, So I sat up and I'm like waiting for it to stop. And it's not stopping. Now, Uh this has happened before. And I started to lose consciousness and called 911 before. This one, I'm waiting. You know, I said, I. You're waiting to lose consciousness? Yeah. I'm like going, this is ridiculous. So I took my blood pressure. It's like one seventy. Wait a minute. Before 90. it happened, you when it happened, you lose consciousness. Then you wake and you call nine one one, or you call nine one one before I you. I started go. to go out. I was like, oh, oh man, I'm, I'm like, I feel myself going out. So I called nine one one. So this time, what do you have nine one one ready on your phone? I'm and holding you're just my like... phone. I'm holding my phone, going, all right, you know, I feel all right. It's not okay. like it wasn't like um, last time. I'm, my shoulders were bouncing. You know, they, my heart was going so. Uh-huh. That's a muscle in there that's that's pumping away. Okay. Know? Um, it's very, very bizarre. Um, so this time I thought to myself, all right, you know what I'll do? Um, I'll just drive in myself. And then I thought, I pictured that. That's not a good idea. Not being a good idea. I went, (laughs) meh, meh, meh. I pictured me, uh, you know, in the telephone pole, like going, uh, just, just get me 10 more. I'm six blocks from the hospital, by the way. Right. So and your mom lives in your guest house. She's in my guest house. She's where is, where is she? She's sleeping the bitch. What, so why would you think I'm driving myself? Why wouldn't you so think I go? I'm gonna call nine one one. I go. You know I don't need to call nine one one yet. I have a nine one one. Let me go house. get my mother. Right. So I put on my pants, shoes, go across, and I put my hand on her shoulder, and she goes, "What? What?" Yeah. And I go, "No, no, no. It's all right." I said, "But I think I need to go in." I said, so maybe you just drive me. Okay, okay, fine. I said, Ma, I said, take your time, brush your teeth. I said, don't go putting on makeup and all this. But right. I said, take your time. I'm fine right now. Uh-huh. I said, hold your phone. I'm going to go back in the house. I'm, uh, you know, Siri, call my mom. Why? Why? Don't, you know, like, well, how bad is that going to get? So she, um, she's taking her time. Now she's taking her time. <laughs> she's I'm like, time. all right, yeah. Mom, I'm dying. Can we go? She's shaving her legs. <laughs> Got things to do. She's got so, a mask on now. She's got a. I'm like, a I, when I pack. said take your time, I didn't mean you know lunch. <laughs> right. So now she's making Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So now um, we get in the car, uh-huh. and I'm figured. I don't know why, but I let her drive. Right. Yeah. Now before, if there was a problem, I pictured myself being alone, and I so I just kind of went. So she's driving. I have a, a driveway that's I don't know in total where she was parked. I got 30 feet before she's out of the driveway. Okay. Probably less. Yeah, you got a you pretty know. long driveway. 30 but feet. But where right. she where she is, she's at the end, you know. Okay. She, yeah. 
she's part, she's side. I'm like, it's a straight driveway, Ma. Just right. back straight. You don't have to touch the wheel. Right. And she's sideways, and then she pulls forward, and I'm going, oh my god, you Ma. You turn in your driveway, and it, she, <laughs> we spun around. What do you get a call? So then, um, I said, Ma, let me drive. Just uh-huh. let me drive. And she was almost in tears. I was like. I don't know what the problem is. Just go straight. I said, Ma, if you look behind you, mm-hmm. you know, Seinfeld has a bit. He goes, I don't know why age, um, older people, they're at some point that you hit an age and you go, I don't have to look behind me when I drive <laughs> back up. And she is at that age. I right. give Seinfeld people everything. Move. People will just move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to. I'm I'm old enough now. I don't have to look behind me. But what if there's another old person walking <laughs> behind you? He's like, I'm old enough now. They'll stop. <laughs> it, he's so spot on for it that it just it blew my mind when he said All right. So I, I drove. Um, anyway, they went through all the tests and everything. And um, basically, I have the uh, more of... So you, uh, did dissection. she drive? Did you get to the hospital? I drove. I, so you I got, got out of the car and yeah. you told her to, to move over and you drove the, yeah. yourself to the hospital with assistance in case you exactly. went unconscious. Yeah. Um, and and I, by the way, I think sometimes, because there's another time that it happened where, um, where I got a cramp in my leg. Uh-huh. I, and this is, I don't know, five o'clock in the morning. I jumped out. Of, I, it was my whole thigh cramped up. Mm-hmm. So I jumped out of bed and I'm like... Trying to walk it out, real painful, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to walk it out. Well, my heart crashed, and it was doing like, it was barely beating, mm-hmm. and I was, I'm like going out, and I'm like hanging on to consciousness. Right? I'm mm-hmm. going out. At one point, I went down to my knees, and I'm crawling. Oh, I called my mother as this is happening, mm-hmm. and she's not answering her phone. <laughs> I'm like the bitch is sleeping. She's sleeping. I'm dying. She's sleeping. So I literally I'm crawling on my knees between our houses. I went Uh down at one point, and I got up, and I'm so angry with her. I think that's what kept me alive, because I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Have you seen? Go on. I walk in the room. I'm like, "Ma, answer the damn phone." Have you seen The Wolf of Wall Street? No. Oh. All right. I envision that this is uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio dr- uh, drug scene at the end. Just, it's just like okay. scraping himself across, trying to get to the car. Yeah. Um, all right, so you get to the hospital. Get to the hospital. They do. We do the CAT scan. We do out there flirting with all the nurses. What time are you there? Do. What time is it? Seven thirty a.m. Okay. I went in for the CAT scan. Oh, my heart stopped doing it around um, nine fifteen. Um, which is the longest. So the I've heart had. was doing it, it was while you were there, and then and then it but, goes. So you arrive and you you arrive at emergency, and you're standing on your own two feet, and you're not bleeding. Right. So because whatever bleeds goes in the ER first. How long do you wait? Whatever bleeds and whatever says they have chest pain. <laughs> oh, does that work? That is works. it? I have chest pain. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I know but, that if you look fine and you're not bleeding, I guess if you don't have chest pain, you could be sitting there for several hours. Yeah. So you said you had chest pain, so they take you back right away. Um, take it back right away. Okay. Um, and by the way, there was nobody in there anyway. It's not like I, I think there was one person in front of me, mm. you know? Um, but yeah, so I, I went in and, um, I mean, they, they read it. They saw everything that was going on. It's not like I had to explain it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, but they kept asking, you have pet chest pain. And by the way, this is the, the bizarre thing is they said from one to 10, what is your chest pain? And I said, point five. Mm-hmm. 
So that's still got me in the door. Right. You know, I said I barely have any chest pain. It's not about pain. What was hurting was it's a muscle like anything else. Right. You know, and when that it's going and going, you fatigue, you get tired. You're like, oh, my God, stop. So when you run, when you run really fast, you're taxing your heart and that's wearing you out. So you're just standing still, but your heart is like tick, 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 tick. Like it's, it's taxing okay. on its own. Yeah. And you're feeling the fatigue of yeah. as if you just ran a marathon. This, or this a, has happened to me, to me before. Here's um, interesting. The, the one that I, I went unconscious, mm-hmm. uh, started to go unconscious. And the one they where you're crawling back to your mom's? Yeah. yeah. No, 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 there's yeah, whatever, another, another one. But, anyway. um, and I called 911 and they came and they took me to um, one hospital. The next, They let me go four hours later because by the time I got to the hospital, it was fine. It uh-huh. evened out. Uh-huh. So they let me go. And I went down to this rehab hospital that I, I go to for um, physical re- rehab. And... Um, I told her what happened, and she said, oh, you mind if I take your blood pressure? I said, sure. And because it had, it had fatigued so much, mm-hmm. I went the other side, and now it was called bradycardia, which is oh. slower. Mm-hmm. You, your heartbeat's supposed to go between 60 and 90, and I was at 39. Mm-hmm. And she, they are all freaking out. Yeah. They're like, are you dizzy? Are you having chest pain? They think I'm out going out. Right. I'm like, no, I'm fine. And then, do you mind if we get a response team in here? So they took me in. Oh, and they got my favorite. Do you is, mind if we get a response team in? My favorite is what's your insurance? I have Medicare. Okay, do you want? I'm where you know that's that's fine. You can have anything you want. They literally say that. Right. What would you like to? Would you like to stay for the weekend in ICU? So that's what I did. I stayed the weekend in ICU. I was like, if you think that's important, they were, they were like, no, we think you have Medicare. That's right. what we think. We think you have Medicare. As long as you have Medicare, you can stay for the weekend at our nice hotel. All plugged up into things. And- to be fair, I the problem on a sidestep with that. I, I think if medical care were free or they got paid, they always got paid no matter what. That they would admit you to the ICU and they yeah. would take a look at you. But if you have an insurance that they know is not going to pay, it's just going to destroy you if they tell you we should admit you to the ICU, but your insurance won't pay for it. So they might as well just leave that out of the equation right. because the mental stress that it's going to put on someone who is sitting at home thinking I sh- I'm going to die because I'm not in the ICU is worse than just not saying anything. Absolutely. That person sitting there. Absolutely. I mean, I've so seen- I don't, I don't know that the hospital necessarily is like, Oh, you have Medicare. Let's take advantage of it. Although it seems that way. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really more like, Oh, okay. We can actually take can, care of you. We can take care of you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, exactly. That, that is it. So that is the case. Um, and, and back then they held me on, um, for three days and mm-hmm. then, they they let me go and and you know nothing came out of that. So right. yesterday I I was like, yesterday it, your heart stops at nine forty five. It stops doing its thing. It's great. Right. It's uh, I actually never use the word heart stops. Yeah, never. It's I, I thought about that. One. <laughs> uh, it was um, in AFib. Is it was AFib. It was in AFib. So AFib uh, subsided at Subside. nine. Yes. 45 and you're in there 45 and then um i just i fell asleep and i hung out they let you go to sleep they let me go to sleep and you hung out at the hospital till five your mom stayed there with you no she 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 left she left are you kidding me i'm i'm gonna say all these words out loud okay (laughs) i'm not gonna hold words back (laughs) i would like to hold these words back but i'm gonna say them out loud 
I talked. I first of all, I was like, "Go home, go," and she wouldn't leave. And then Nicole called, and I said, "Nicole's your ex-wife." Go yes. on. Yes. She called, and she said, "If your mom will come here and watch Scarlet, her baby, yeah, Nicole's kid, yeah. Um, if your mom will come watch Scarlet, she goes, I can come there." And I was like, "Hold on." I gave my mom the phone. She was like, I, "My mom." She was like, "I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that." First of all, she loves Scarlet. Absolutely. Anyway. I'll watch the little. She's I'll like, watch the little girl instead of sit here and watch Tom sleep. I'll do that. I'll, I'll go watch the little girl live instead of watching Tom Ayers die. That <laughs> sounds great. So she she um she bolted, mm-hmm. and then Nicole came. And Nicole, what, what was so great, man? Nicole, like every time a doctor came in. Nicole had a couple of discussions with doctors that about, well, you know, he's done this before. And I was like, who's done that before? I'm like, what? I'm like, Nicole. And she was Tom. Um, do you remember blah, blah, blah? She was like, yeah, we had you on this medication for this long. And so she knows all my, my mm-hmm. whole situation. She knows your history. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, if she wasn't there, I wouldn't have told the doctor that. Right. You know, and that was uh, important information. Right. So, um, it was good to have her, have her. And, um, and then after a while, they said, we're going to admit you to a room, but we don't have anything right now. So you might stay here for the night in this little closet that was freezing. ER, ER closet. Yeah. yeah. So I said, um, I said, we're going to give you this bed. And they were like, oh, well, you have to sign all these forms and you can't, you know, you're going against, um, right. the, you know, the medical profession. I said, yeah. checking yourself out. Yeah. I said, yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you guys go. I said, I've done this before. And they're like, that's another thing. A lot of people, like 98% of the people that go to the emergency room have never been to the emergency room before. You know, they go, it, it's just a very small number. You you have broken bones. You have, mm. you know, people who are going there. They're kind of freaked out there in the emergency room. Mm. I've been to the emergency room in the last seven years. I've been 30 times, mm-hmm. you know. And so I go, all right. Um, I, I know the situation. I know what I'm up against. I live six blocks from here. Mm-hmm. The biggest proponent for me to leave is that the f- seven times that I've called the um, uh, um, 911, mm-hmm. before I get my name out, I hear the sirens in the background. I'm mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? This is great. Right. You know? Every single time I've had the dissection, I could barely talk. My legs gave out on me completely. I had... No use of my legs. I couldn't right. walk. And I'm the ambulance came and they the first thing out of my mouth was, Wow, that, I was like because my throat was clo- like clogged up. But I'm that was incredible. You guys are great. <laughs> and they're like, Sir, what's going on? And I'm like, Wow, where were you? <laughs> so um So you went home, you checked yourself home, out. Called you up and I said, Can we do the podcast tomorrow? <laughs> so all right. So where do things sit right now? Um, I they they the CAT scan showed that I still have that I'm still dissecting. Okay, which bothers me, and that I have a, uh, another abdominal aneurysm uh, higher than the last one. Okay, and then I'll probably go in for operation for that. Um, I'm bringing the information today from um, my the hospital to my surgeon down in. Tony. You have another abdominal an- aneurysm higher up. In your abdomen, yeah, and your heart is dissecting. These are two. The artery off of my heart is dissecting. That's that's where the dissection started. It's uh-huh. made up of a bunch of um, the artery is made up of a bunch of layers, mm-hmm. and it rips into itself and starts to rip one way or the other 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in John Ritter's case, it ripped up into his heart, ripped his heart apart, and killed him. Oh, is that what actually that's, happened? That's, so it, yeah. So you've got basically the heart is pumping, and uh, and it's pumping so much the wall is so weak that the wall starts ripping. It rips inside and itself, and your heart literally bursts inside your chest. Right. Wow. And, and fuck, man. By that, the way. That mine, sounds like a big deal. I I don't think you should check out a hospital. <laughs> mine, well, yeah, somebody else, some people agree with you. On so that. right now, Jordan as you are sitting here, there is a tear in your valve. Yeah, not in my valve, in in the the wall of the artery. So is that leaking blood into your chest cavity? No, that's what I'm saying. It, it rips into itself. In other words, there are layers, and the inside layer rips into itself, and that's oh, what happened. Okay. The ischemia. The lack of blood to the the nerves in my spine, mm-hmm. that's what stopped the blood from going to the the. It ripped up into itself, made a little, create a little bubble inside, mm-hmm. and it stopped the blood going to my spine, which killed off the nerves to my legs. Mm-hmm. Which I would say about about forty forty to sixty percent of the, the the muscle in my legs are gone because of that. Okay. <sighs> So many things. Um, back to the, the dissection. Yes. So is that the same as the uh, a- 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 the abdominal aorta? Okay, yes. That's right. It goes down into your legs and it spritz out, you know, your, um, what's it called? The, um, I can't think of the name. Uh, anyway, it splits off into um, one leg and the other leg, right? Okay. Um, yeah, I can't think a of the T, name. a Y, whatever. Yeah. But the other side of it, by the way, John Ritter, it ripped up into his heart, ripped his heart apart, killed him. That I have an aortic root there. Right. An artificial aortic root. Right. That they, that is Kevlar. It's like fucking bulletproof. So when it ripped up to that, it stopped there. And that's what saved my life. Uh huh. And then it went, started to go to the other way. Right. It started now, to go down. So it went down to the abdomen. It started going down in the abdomen so toward the other, um, uh, the other abdominal aneurysm. The fix on that one. Mm-hmm. So, so. You, you have to have an operation. It's one operation to fix this whole area. Yeah. And uh, how you've had this operation before? Yeah. And how long is the operation? Well, this one now they're talking because I, I should have, as per the the open heart surgeon guy, he said that I should have had that orthoscopically. And so that's the way they'll probably do this one. The first one I didn't have orthoscopically, they, they cut me open. Why? Because, I don't know. Okay. But the, the first one surgery. happened in what year? 2012? 10? 10? 10? Okay. 11? 2010, 11. So fi- there's been a five years worth of advancement in medical technology. Yeah. And I do remember... I don't know, probably around that time or slightly before them, uh, the ability to orthoscopically put in a stent in your heart going mm-hmm. in through your leg. But it's new. Yeah. I mean, I, and I remember when you told this story before on the podcast, like you were so lucky that the doctor, who's the only doctor who's ever performed this, was about to leave to Japan, but he stayed because he yeah. found a second sure. patient yeah. to do it on or something like that. Um, like the the stars aligned to save Tom's <laughs> life once again, um, which uh, yeah. Um, so 
today in the past five years, I would imagine that that doctor has performed it more times, and there's yeah. probably other doctors who have performed. What bothered it me based before was he was number four in the world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's number four, and I'm like, can't number four call up number three and go, dude? What do you know? <laughs> Come on, just right. give me the info. Right. Or call or bypass number three and call number two and get all his info and bump number three to number four. Why can't they do that? Maybe. I don't know. And who the <laughs> hell I wanna know who's who's getting the numbers. Like, you know, is it is it how many of his patients live? Is it how many patients die? Is that what what uh, yeah, I don't constitutes know. I, I mean I I don't know. I don't know. So you need to uh, you need to have an operation again. And how long You've had this operation before. How long is the operation? Oh, um, um, how long was they cracked you open before? And how that, long? Was okay, that? now this one would would uh, just be through your leg. Yeah, they would come up um, orthoscopically. Is right. this an out? So before they not crack you open, patient, this is not outpatient. No. You would still right. be in the yeah. hospital for uh, a couple of days. Couple of days. Um, yeah, that that was the abdominal one. They went through my uh, my abdomen. And that one, um, because of that cut, I was in there for three days. Yeah, because you, you had know. this enormous wound on your chest. Right. That, uh, and then they to... continued that up when they did the, um, they opened my uh, my chest. Now, part of the reason that you need to stay there when they have that, uh, that enormous wound is because if you move around, it'll yeah. like shift left and right. And... There are times, tell me if this has happened to you, where like you sit down and your butt cheeks don't quite align. <laughs> yeah. You feel you got to do go. the little wiggle. Yeah, you and little what, what is that? Like yeah. you think after all these years, my butt cheeks would know exactly where to go. You but would think. Sometimes like they just sort of, I don't it's know. It's just, that you know, the left cheek has its own mind. <laughs> right. right cheek goes its own way. And... One is, I wonder if one sags at a faster rate than the other. Maybe that's what causes it. Although one time I did see this picture on the internet of a girl. She might have been naked. I don't know. Sometimes they show that. Right. But she was sitting on a couch like that. Right. And only like, like the one cheek was off the couch, and the other cheek was on the couch. Oh my god! And you and it was. I was like, oh my god! And it, it accentuated the one side so much more because you went, is is that is that okay? That's is she a, all right? Is that a big girl? I, I'm like, that? is your cooch all <laughs> sideways because of that? Cooter. Um. All right. So. Uh, you're taking documents or something, or you're going to, what's I'm next? taking those down to Dr. White, number four. Okay. Um, and Dr. White is going to. Um, oh, the the fourth guy, the guy who yeah. did you before? Yeah. He's doing you again. Well, we're going to find out. I spoke to the nurse. He cracked you open before, yeah. and now he's like, we shouldn't have done that? We no, 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 no. The, um, different guy. He, oh. He's the dissection guy. He's uh -huh. the last guy. Uh -huh. And he didn't crack me open. He, he went in orthoscopically. The okay. guy that cracked me open was for the aortic root, and there was no there was no way to do that orthoscopically. Okay. The the original first abdominal aneurysm should have been done orthoscopically, as per the second surgeon. The the okay. Um, they call well, the guy that goes through the chest. Mm -hmm. They call him. Well, orthoscopic. I mean, it's better than cracking you open. That should be less of a worry to. To have yeah, orthoscopic surgery. Th I mean, it's thoracic. Couple... Thoracic is through the chest. Okay, that's what they call that surgeon. Okay, that operation. Um, you know, they're just going to punch a couple of holes, and yeah. th those wounds will and heal. Then they and they shake you like a fucking. And they go, 
as etch a sketch until you until it works until it yeah. lands right, and then they go up in there and they fix it. And and uh, yeah, how you feeling about it? I'm I'm fine. I mean, you know, I did the. Um, there are people at the hospital that go. You should not leave. You should go in to surgery this week. Uh, you know, tomorrow as soon as possible. Do not leave the hospital. And then there are other surgeons that go. Well, let's keep an eye on it. Go home and do your thing. You know? Right. Um. So. Well, on one hand, you have this Kevlar valve that's stopping it from destroying your John Ritter in your heart. Right. The other side is if if I was if it was to go the other way, yeah. and burst, then it's goodbye Charlie there too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. If if an aneurysm bursts, um, uh, no matter where that is, in brain, heart, right? You know, um, you bleed out into yourself. Right. So, uh. Okay. Yeah, I mean, sure. so that could happen any moment now. That could happen. Do you convulse? Do you seize? Do you just sort of slump think, over? Well, as tell me the, what the signs are. The, I need to look out for them. Um, you, you hear a little pop, mm-hmm. like that. I mean, literally. And then, um, you go, what was that? You go, you go, what, what the fuck was that? And then, what I, I felt this flush in my neck. Uh huh. You know, this is the dissection. This is the last one. I heard this little, like, I was moving some stuff around, and I was like. Oh, that was weird. Mm-hmm. And then I felt this like flush going in my neck. My ears were kind of like floating. Mm-hmm. And my hand was already on the phone calling 911 because I was like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like a deeper sense you have of, you know, something just fucked up. Serious. Right. I have no idea why I know that, but, or knew that. So, or your body tells you. Oh, yeah. Your body it, sends off alarms. Your, your warning, body warning. goes, that little, because, dude, you you hear little knocks and little pops all over the place all day long, you know. Right. This one, you just go, "Oh no, 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 nine one one." And when I tore the meniscus in my knee, I heard it pop, and it didn't hurt. Right. There but I go. knew immediately. I was like, "I just tore the meniscus in my knee." There That's what that pop was. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just know. No, and and then you go, "Why do I know that?" Because there's nothing. Why does that little two year old grab a microphone and start like? having microphone etiquette, you know, like scream when the louder she gets, the further she puts the microphone back. In. And I'm like going, you know what? Something else is playing here. I'm sorry. Something else is playing. You just go, how do I say, look at the sky? And she looks up in the sky and you go, when did you learn that one? You know? Right. Who have you been watching on TV that you, you singing into the microphone? Like it's something that, you know. Right. Well, there's natural things that are, you know, uh, ingrained in us. And then there's things that we pick up on. And um, our 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 bodies communicate with other organs in our brain and things like that uh, constantly. Like, you know, right now you're breathing and your eyes are shifting and your muscles are my, you know, my hands just kind of made a movement on their own. And as part of a vocal gesture, you're not consciously thinking about any of this. Everything is just working. Right. But- and deeper level of that is your heart, your brain. There's a manager in your brain, like the movie inside out. That's going, we got a problem down there. We got to fix this. How do we send some red blood okay. cells? So even further than cells. that, even further than that, I read this thing and it says, how do the atoms know the molecules in your thumb know to become a thumb? Like there's got to be some history there. There's got to be some memory. Yeah, that's, the, that's the DNA strand. The, the DNA. Like how does it know to become a thumb? Why doesn't it just become, um, uh, 
you know, a cheek or a nose or, you know, like. How does a cake note arise? Yes. But, well, I mean, the physics behind the cake make it's the it so. the physics behind the thumb. Everything is atoms. Everything Okay, but atoms. I mean, what, so you break it down, you break it down, you break it down. What makes this atom know to be a thumb where this atom knows to be a. The chemical makeup, a, a the DNA strand. From a record player. Right. It's, you know, it, you go, that's. That's eventually it's it's got some memory. It's got something that goes forward, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, um, so the sperm and the egg come together and that forms the DNA strand and that is going to produce a human. And scientists have managed to figure that figure that out down to the atom to create a human in a laboratory or at least human parts or grow parts. uh, it's it's a little more involved than the cake to rise thing. I disagree. I, it's, it's all the an same ingredient. equation. It's, it's, it's the all same atoms. Equation, it's all an ingredient, and it's all a finished product. It's it's the same equation, but there's um there's much more involved. We're talking about a human. But it's a more complex yeah, thing. We're saying the same thing. Yeah, it's just uh, but it's exactly the same. Same the equation. Yeah, that, sure. Right. Sure. Say say, same. say the word equation. I'll say, say the word equation. Thank you. Um, but. So now you have this kid. Mm-hmm. I, I joking around. I hand it chopsticks, right? And she starts picking up raisins like, uh, like Mr. Miyagi with the. And this is a uh, I don't know, sixteen month old, eighteen month old, right? So where did that come from? Because I'm sitting there going, I'm and I have this on video. How do you and where I'm going? How do you know how to use chopsticks? I'm like Scarlett. How do you know how to use chopsticks? And mm-hmm. And I believe, and this is just me, because after that moment, she stopped picking them. She went, no, you're right. I shouldn't know how to use chopsticks. I believe that. We go, this takes me back to the old Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. He tells a story of every day he watched this kid take his bicycle, and on the top of a chain link fence, that top rail, the kid would ride his bike along that top rail of the chain link fence. And he was just amazed. How does this kid do it? And one day he went down and he asked the kid, he's like, how do you ride your bike up there? And then the kid fell and that was the end of it. And Richard Pryor tells it as a much more poignant story and funnier and a joke. And I have not seen Sunset Strip in a long time, but it's exactly what you're talking about. Um, Like why, how, Vince, how do you vlog every day? And then, and then then now you're fucked. And now now it's like, I can't, can't I don't know how, what am I going to do? Um, you just, you do things when, um, when you don't know any better, when there's that, you just do it and then it happens. And then everybody, people call you a pioneer along the way. People are happy to call you an idiot. Why are you doing that? That's stupid. Why are you doing that? That's the, and then when you're done, everybody's like, Oh my God, Steve jobs is a genius. No, 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 he's not. Right. Steve jobs got lucky. He gave himself permission to do it all. On the other side of it, we could have been like. His family would be like, well, you totally failed at that. Like, there's there's a very fine line. Warren Buffett, my, uh, uh, Steve Jobs, uh, Bill Gates, Steven Spielberg, I, the, some of the greatest, Albert Einstein. There's a very fine line between success and failure. Mm-hmm. And uh, up to that point of success, everybody around you supports failure. Mm-hmm. Everybody around you wants you to fail. Um, and it's, this is hard to swallow, but it's very much true. Like 
your family and your friends, we're inherently as humans, inherently jealous of what other people have. And if you say, I'm going to go be a rock star, all your friends' immediate reaction is, well, why do you get to do that and I don't? Like, what makes you so special? Oh, you think you're better than the rest of us? And a long time ago, and I shit you not, I was like 14 years old in eighth grade, and someone said, you think you're better than us? And I went, yeah. yeah. Don't you think you're better than me? You should always think you're better than everybody I had, around you. I had a you. girlfriend, and we are breaking up, and she, she's like, why you think you're special? Yes. And I was like, yeah. Uh-huh. I said, you know why? Because I'm not. If I waited around for you to think it, yeah, I would never be it. Right. I'm the best cheerleader and, I got. By the way, the familiarity of that person makes him uh, makes that a question arises of why do you get to be a rock star? Because when, as soon as you don't know that person, like I, I had a friend growing up mm-hmm. that. Um, became a drummer, MTV video. We all played in bands. Mm-hmm. But he came out to L.A. and he signed with a record company and he... Um, oh, Mr. Hollywood. I, I was like, I was like, oh, oh, he gets to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, like as mm-hmm. if, you know, as if somebody gave him that from our town and he just pushed through and he did it, right. you know? But I saw other people that didn't know him were looking up to him like a rock star. And yes. I was like... Why are you doing that? That's just that's, that's just, just my buddy. Right. That's, you know. Yes. Um, but and, you get into that, and and then once the moment that you cross the line and you do succeed, then all of a sudden everybody's like, "Well, I was with you the entire way. Mm-hmm. I supported you the entire way." Mm-hmm. Um, it, it there's a movie out right now called The Founder. I got the Oscar screener on it. Uh, Deanna didn't like it. It's about Ray Kroc who. Uh, uh, founded McDonald's, well, sort of founded McDonald's. Okay. Um, he was not, he was not the nicest of business guys. I, I liked the movie. I liked him. I thought that you know I was okay. Some people claim that he screwed over the original guys who invented McDonald's. I say, really? I say the original guys who invented McDonald's wouldn't be where they are if it wasn't for Ray. Wouldn't. All right. So. Two guys in San Bernardino create McDonald's. They create the idea of fast food that you wait 30 seconds to get your burger. Um, that's that's the short of Is it. Is that where it really... Yes. I mean, that's McDonald's invented fast food. Prior wow. to that, there were uh, drive-ins. There, you drove in okay. and a waitress came to your car right. and you waited and the order wasn't right and there were problems and all sorts. They cover all this in the movie. McDonald's said, okay, we have a simple menu and we have everything ready to go. And they, they created the production line, the McDonald's brothers, uh, they created the production line, and they had a burger, fries, and a drink or and a milkshake. And you could order, and you get it thirty seconds later. And it was very hard for them, for people, to grasp this concept of getting fast food. But then it took off, of course. Ray Kroc saw it, saw the genius behind it, and built the company off of cut a deal with these guys and built the company into the empire that it is today. If Ray Kroc would have never have met the, and then he pushed the guys out of the company, they got screwed. They, I mean, they didn't get screwed. Look, several years into it, they each got a check for a million dollars and they were bought out of the McDonald's and they never got a penny since then. This is like 1970, a million dollars each in 1970 is an enormous amount of money. People want to stop and look back and go, well, yeah, but if they would have held on to it, they could have hundreds of millions of dollars today. 
Well, that's hindsight is 2020. Yeah, if I would have held on to stock, you know, IBM from when I was born, I'd be a billion. Like if I had bought that house back in all this other crap. The truth is, is they got a paycheck. Don't look at it as like, oh, they got cheated out of that hundred million dollars. No, they didn't. Ray Kroc Kroc said, shook their hand and said that he would pay them one percent of profits, which he never did. But it wasn't in a contract. He said that. Right. So there's all this bad stuff, like Ray Kroc was this bad guy in the movie. And the big thing, back to trying to bring it back around to what I started with, um, he, his wife supports him. Okay, His, his wife, uh, played by Laura Dern, um, she has supported every one of his schemes. But that's exactly how she feels about them. They are schemes. She, he, when he comes home and starts telling her about McDonald's, she's like, oh, now what? It was the blenders. It was this. It was that. Now it's this. And then she gets on board and she supports it. Well, he ends up leaving her for another woman. And Deanna didn't like that because that girl, that woman, the Laura Dern was there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. The difference was Laura Dern did support him, but didn't really believe in him. Mm-hmm. The other girl believed in McDonald's. She bit the apple and was in a hundred percent and it seems screwed up that he leaves laura dern in the movie leaves his first wife in the movie for the second wife because she was there in the beginning but this is people supporting you you were surrounded that fine line between failure and success and people sort of support you but they do almost that backhanded compliment negative way like oh what are you doing now what are you trying oh you're vlogging every day why are you doing that like that's the worst thing even if they don't i use that i use that voice but like i you know i'll say to somebody oh i'm vlogging every day why are you doing that no why aren't i doing and then why is it tell somebody in line at at starbucks you go, they go, hey, someone what are you I doing? don't know. And again, you go, I'm vlogging every day. And they go, that's great. That's great. Really? No, that's no, that exactly. same voice is not, well, why are you doing that? And then yeah. when you succeed, people go, I was there. I didn't look, I didn't tell you to stop vlogging, but right. you didn't support you didn't me. Support me right. This whole thing, back to, to bring it even further back around, you got two groups of camp people who are telling you that you should stay in the hospital and people that you're are telling you, that you should leave the hospital. And it's the exact same thing between success and failure, a negative, negative people on one side and positive people on the other, figuring out which one is negative and which one that positive is a little say, more difficult. That's the harder thing. Cause you go, is this person being paranoid and is negative because they're like, this is going to go, you got to fix it. Or are they being positive because they're like, look, we know the information now and you just need to handle it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The other people that are letting you go, are they saying, Oh, don't worry about it because they're being negative. You know, worst case scenario is you die, big deal. Or are they going, well, let's let's be positive and look at this positively and let's see how this goes and let's, you know, move to the next step. Exactly what you just said. And that's where I'm living. I'm li- with that complete conundrum of what am I doing here? Am I, right. am I just like the one guy said, sitting around waiting to die? Or am I living my life? And last night, I, I came to a, a conclusion of, of a sort because I went, I am not going to sit here and question anymore. I'm going to go do what I have to do to live my life. Mm-hmm. And in every moment, and if, and this, I, I talked to Nicole uh, about this. I started to, to talk to her about this earlier on that, 
that day. I was like, if something were to go wrong and and I were to die, mm-hmm. I will be so fucking furious if she sits around in regret of anything. Right. Because I that is probably the worst part of of life that I see now mm-hmm. that when somebody dies and you go and you go into regret, mm-hmm. that is the worst thing in the world. It's a celebration of knowing me. It's a celebration, a celebration of knowing of life. him, of yeah. life. Yeah. And going That's wow, what, a funeral should what be, did yeah. I get out of out of this person? And I sit there and I look at my father and at my father's funeral, more people came up to me over a two, three week period and said he was like a father to me. Mm-hmm. And to the degree where it blew me away. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, man, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. That is the best thing that that I think somebody can say, mm-hmm. you know, and for him to have so many people come up to me and say that. Right. I, I still sit there and I go, man, he was doing something right, you know. I, and to me, those people, when they, there's no regret there. They looked at him like, you know, wow, what a great man. That's, that's what I, instead of regret, you know. Anyway, so I, I sit there and I go, that's the worst of it. You know, and if I if I could stop that from existence, you know, or but I'm not, you know, um. it's I ride. I talked to you on the phone about this a little bit. I ride this weird line in that, like, I care about you. I love you. This could be the last podcast we ever do, like um, because I could get hit by a bus and die 10 minutes from now. And that threat of me getting hit by a bus is equal to that threat of Isn't that you having this aneurysm. That's whack. Because but I don't live in worry right. that I'm going to get hit by the bus. But you're put in this situation. When I when I talk to you, I try not to be the, how you doing? What are you right. going to do? What's going on? I try to be, I, I try to ignore it. I try to just, let's just, let's talk. I mean, we're talking about it now because it just happened, but let's ignore it. Let's talk about something else. I know Tom has a problem with his chest because I feel like there's a bunch of people and those are the negative people. They're the Laura Derns who are just like, I, well, I want you to be healthy, but what are you doing? What's right. going on? Are you doing the right things? Are you in, and I don't know that that helps. Like, you somebody know said, you got to get this shit fixed. You know you got to do somebody something. Somebody said, um, uh, they're talking about um, sympathy. And they said sympathy is the worst thing in the world. And yeah. that, that man is, to me, when I look back over the, the all the stuff that I went through, there was one day, Nicole was was with me throughout the whole thing. And for the most part, she was very unsympathetic. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean she didn't. She didn't continue with love, she, mm-hmm. but she dropped the sympathy. And there were times I looked at her, I was like, maybe a little sympathy right now is needed, you right. know? But there was one day through it all that she, th- somebody in that very nervous energy came in and they were like, they put it there, man. They just went, mm-hmm. you know, um, we can't let you go out of the hospital. You're, you need this operation right away. And we're going to have a, a surgeon come in later. And she, Whatever she did that night rocked my world, that that nurse, and Nicole's too. And Nicole sat there and put her head on my chest, and she sat there and held my hand. We both cried. And mm-hmm. I have to say, to date, that was the worst day of my life. To date. And I've had miserable fucking things happen to me. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the day that she gave me sympathy to 
the sky's the limit sympathy, that kind of sympathy. Mm-hmm. I it was the worst day of my life. You anger turned inward, depression. You oh became, my god! Yeah. I couldn't cry hard enough, and right. my heart couldn't hurt more. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, and <clears throat> she was going through the same exact thing, and I I was like, when I told her, I was like, yeah, I think she, we had been at the hospital for twenty. 22 hours or something right and i said go home go to sleep and i'm not going anywhere i'll I'll see you in a little while and she left and i sat there and i thought to myself i don't know if i'm gonna ever see her again Mm -hmm. that's that's the area that we were we had put ourselves into i think four hours later a doctor came over to me and he, he said all right well that the doctor that we were waiting for came over and goes well let's keep an eye on it why don't you go home and um, we'll mm-hmm. we'll get the test from this other thing and blah 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 and we'll we'll be in touch. And I was like, "Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me?" I I walked out of the emergency room with because she took my clothes with their smock on and my, <laughs> and barefoot. I I was like, I can't believe they're letting me out. You mm-hmm. know. And by the way, it's California. It was warm that day. It was you know eighty <laughs> degrees. But um, I. I walked out and I'm sitting on the, the the lawn at the hospital in their smock, my sweatpants, no shoes, my wallet, everything. Nicole had everything, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, it was an hour away, so I was like, all right, I'm just gonna hang out in the. But it was the most bizarre day of my life, mm-hmm. you know. But one of the most, I mean, you sit there and you go, what's the difference between a negative, you know, negativity and and just not even like screaming positivity. I don't need a cheerleader, right? I need somebody that just goes, hey, you know what? Let's not make that decision right now. And let's think positive toward toward um, life. Just, right. You know? And um, that's the position that you're in. I mean, you've you've gone through three operations. And, you know, you're, as I also had joked, which had something to do with another thing, uh, you've you've been on an adventure and you need to be on a journey. <laughs> and now you're on a journey to now on a journey. to get this fixed. You got to yeah. go take some documents over and, and get this taken care. Of. <laughs> that's but that's it. Journey. As this is your journey, right? Now. You have a journey right now. Yes. Um, as opposed to the adventure. <laughs> but uh, you know it needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, people, anybody coming around you and you know, oh, how you doing? Or what are you going to do? Or this or that. What good does any of that do? You know it needs to be done. Right. You take your shit to the doctor. The doctor looks at it and goes, okay, week from Tuesday, we'll do this. Or right. you know, the doctor says, ah, let's do it this week. Let's do it tomorrow. Well, let's just get it done. Um, and you go in and you, you get it done. And and hopefully that person doesn't come around that you know poisons you with that insane amount of sympathy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, um, that person probably lives in your guest house. Um, because um, moms, actually, moms can be no moms words. can be and and I I be real honest with you I don't know I don't know what's going on with my mom I know that there's a little bit of the forgetful you know right I, I don't want to call it anything I don't want to put any labels on it because yeah. you, you actually have to admit that it's happening but um, we well, got to be careful though because also, it, 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 there is dementia there is Alzheimer's but there's just getting old right so right. And the the one thing that is great about my mom is that she's got this like sense of humor about stuff, where other than in the morning driving to the the thing in the car, she got very upset about that. For the most part, she comes in the house and she's like, "I don't remember why I'm coming in here," and I, and <laughs> then she'll laugh, and you know she'll go, "I went to the grocery store specifically for this for dinner," 
And now I'm back here because I forgot. I was like, well, you also forgot you can call me. <laughs> you know, you forgot that you're... Yeah. Um, little things like that. But she'll she'll start laughing at stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that I'll, I'll look at her like, did you really not remember that? Like, that's that's an obvious one there. And it's not walking in just because you forgot you want tape in this room. You know what I mean? Right. It's like that one was a big one. And she'll go, yeah, shrug it off. She gets, she has been um, incredible on the other side. Like she won't, she doesn't go sympathy route. She'll. um, But the hysteria that happened when, you know, you're like, calm down, mom. You can get ready. You can get dressed. That is sympathy. That is, she's like. And that rocked her world. And like I said, in in the the car backing out, she gets so upset about that. Um, But. And that puts you, it gives you a frame of mind. Look, she's not going. It's the same sympathy that puts you in the frame of mind of like, am I? Something wrong with me? Should I be more worried? Right, right. What do these people right. know that I don't know? And that's the whole sympathy thing. Yeah. When if someone's like, "Oh my God, we got to take care of this now," mm-hmm. is the exact same thing of like, "How are you feeling?" You go, "I thought I was fine." Right, are right. you sh- like, "What are you talking about?" So that's what I mean by her mom. Yeah, she um, she also said um, that she's the one. I was at one hospital and I had to be at the other one. They weren't doing anything and they were just sitting there and watching me. And she just snapped. She was like, I will sue this place. <laughs> you know? Right. Excuse me. But so three years ago, I, before you got here, I was listening to uh, Podcast 28 that you were on. Um, and we said, we're talking about car insurance and car accidents. At that point, you, uh, the, the Cadillac had gotten destroyed. And you oh, told wow. those stories. Right. And I told you stories about, uh, a couple of accidents that I had gotten into. And this is three years ago. This goes Mm -hmm. to your mom's dementia thing. And I was listening to these and I was like, I, if I, if I hadn't listened to that, I don't think I could recount the details of those accidents today. Like Mm -hmm. the dementia, like I've just, I let it go. And it's funny that before you got here, I I listened to it and I go, I don't like, I remember all this, but if someone asked me about this, I couldn't tell it anymore. And somewhere it started, I've talked about this on the podcast before. In my 40s, I stopped caring. I stopped yeah, paying it. attention. It's not like I'm, I don't give a shit. I just, life is too short to care, care about these small little details. And I remember that story three years ago, so I was still in my 40s. But today I'm like, I feel like I, I put it out there and I tell it and it's done. And then I I don't. I don't remember it. I just, I I let it go, whatever it is. It's like a lot of the details about, you know, your situation. I know Tom has a heart situation. He's, I know it's the aorta. I know it's a dissection, but I don't remember like all the details because I don't care about all of that. All that matters is that Tom has Nicole is sitting there. And Nicole is remembering. She's remembering. I'm like, what are you talking about? And you're like, I, I already passed that. I already put that out there. And your mom is definitely older than me, older than us at that stage where you got to go not so much old age of forgetful. Like, did she, is there a lot of things where she's just like, I'm yeah. done with that. I don't need yeah. to remember that shit anymore. It's what a, we got what, into an accident. Tom? Me, what are you talking about? What kills me is she, cause her, I don't care level is, has peaked on an all time high. I don't care, but it's attached to this Don Rickles fucking <laughs> thing in her that she'll go. She's an ice skating coach. She still coaches today. Right. Right. She goes to the ring. Now, she has made 50 gold medalists in, in not 
Olympic gold medalist. But 50, like, they, they right. pass a test yeah, gold medal. Yeah, state medals right. and yeah. whatever, various medals. So um, she's a master-rated coach. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been around forever. And now she's in Van Nuys teaching um, little kids who are, don't know how to skate at all. They, right. You know, they, so she comes to the house. Now, by the way, she was teaching people for, you know, they're going to admitted lantern and lantern, whatever that she always some competition or some test coming up. That, right. Um, high level test. Mm-hmm. So she comes home and she goes, I just found, just got a new student today. And I was like, that's great. Why are you upset? She doesn't know how to skate at all. She doesn't know how to skate at all. I went, well, you know what? You're an ice skating coach. <laughs> and welcome <laughs> to the real world. Whatever you were doing in Darien, Connecticut yeah. is not real. Um, but I was like, she was, but she doesn't know how to skate at all. What right. kind of idiot doesn't know how to skate? I'm like, come on, go easy on this girl. Everybody doesn't know how to skate until they know how to skate. You know, and she she's like going to town. And I was like, where does this Don Rickles stuff come from? Mm-hmm. Like that's talk about how does your thumb know to be a thumb? How does she know to just go dark? Like, you know, mm-hmm. ripping this kid up upside down. And I'm like, oh, ma, go easy on her. She doesn't know how to skate. That's why she came to you. By the way, isn't she paying you money for that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't that, you know, well, of course. And then, then you go, well, you know what? She's going to go with another coach because um, she's going to go with somebody who teaches that level. And my mom would go, no, no, that's fine. I'll teach her. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I don't want to, but I will. Right, right. I'm going to make this no, work. No, she doesn't know how to skate. Right. I'm going to teach her how to skate. And right. I'm like, so what argument are you having in your head right now? <laughs> All right. Uh, did we cover everything? I think we covered everything. We're caught up? Yeah. Good deal. Um, so maybe next week we can podcast about something a little more happy. I guess maybe I guess uh, maybe you'll get the operation tomorrow be out on Monday go easy <laughs> podcast uh, podcast on Wednesday I don't know um so hopefully we see you again and it's not 3 years from now all right I mean hopefully no, we like see you 3 years from now but hopefully you're back on the podcast <laughs> before 3 years from now uh so yeah I know that that'd be cool let's do another one all right I'm up for it uh so I'm Vince Roca and I'm Binti Moka no, that, that's Tom. at the beginning. Oh, sorry. I'm you Tom Ayers. <laughs> so for more on the show, visit getconvinced.com.